The Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest and greatest edition of The Chris Sheeran Show here on YesNetwork.com and at iTunes Podcasts. Check it out on the Twitter. Uh, you could subscribe to this podcast with myself and the great Lou DiPietro to my right, your left on your radio dial. There's no dial. There's no radio. There's no left or right. But we press on, like Lee press on nails. I'm who, soaking in it. Yeah. Oh boy, we're starting early today, folks. Uh, we're gonna get. Uh, we're, we're gonna make this the last call, like at a bar, uh, on the last call of the Super Bowl. So <laughs> last call. Uh, we're gonna get to that in just a second, and we're gonna have some hijinks and hilarity with that. I'm sure it's gonna take up a lot of this podcast today, and. You know whether or not you're sick and tired of hearing about the last play of the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, we haven't gotten to weigh in on it yet, so you're going to have to deal with it. Uh, but before we get there, uh, some some more recent news. Now, if you know me personally, uh, or you've been around me professionally for more than a day, especially during basketball season. You know there's one basketball team on this planet that I hate more than any sports team ever created. You know who it is. If you know me, you know who it is. If you don't know me and you're just starting to listen to this podcast, I don't really like to mention names, but if you added a C and a K, that's how... I wish the university would spell its name. Does it rhyme with Beerachews? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I always say to Mark Malusis, who is a proud Syracuse alumnus and a former coworker of mine when we simulcasted the Mike and the Mad Dog show, you can't spell suck without SU. And I, I just, you know, it, and a lot of people think it was because of my ex-girlfriend. She went to Syracuse. She, they, they all think it started then. It didn't. <laughs> I've got news for you. I was on my couch jumping up and down when Richmond beat them in the first round when they were Richmond was a fifteen the and Syracuse spiders. was a two. Yeah, this goes way back. I'm talking long ago. <laughs> this has nothing to do with ex girlfriends. I cannot stand Syracuse. Cannot. I don't care. You know, if someone's listening to this who went to Syracuse and could potentially give me a job in the future, if that's why you want to hold me back from giving me a job, so be it. I hate your university. I hate it. I I can't stand it. And I can't stand it even more today, if you could believe that. And I know someone else who's probably sitting here going to be listening to this later, my friend Brian, who went to St. John's after we've been St. John's fans our whole life. He actually went. To the university. You're a St. John's fan, yet you grew up in Seton Hall country? That's interesting. Yes. Well, Chris Mullen. You know, no, I, I mean, I'm not saying it's deadly wrong or anything. I'm just saying that's interesting. I, I rooted for Carlissimo when they lost to Michigan. And if you want to see Car- Car- Carlissimo cringe, and I did this to him at one of the net shoot rounds when he was the, when he was the interim, I mentioned Ramil Robinson. <laughs> oh, boy. That was a mistake. He, he, he was good-natured about it, but... Anyway, I, I sort of have an irrational hate for Seton Hall, but that's neither here nor there. We'll get into that later. I digress. Yeah. Back to Syracuse. So they have been being investigated by the NCAA and an internal investigation 
since 2007. Let me say that again. 2007. And now, Jim Beheim, with all the injuries this team has had this year, and waits till they're 15 and 7 and 6 and 3 in the ACC, and was handed a loss by my Johnnies in your stinking dome for the first time in 15 years. Beheim knows he's not going anywhere. Now he makes the announcement that there's going to be a self-imposed ban. Why did he wait 22 games into the season? And if the NCAA lets this go, they are a fraud. A fraud. How do you investigate a program for eight years and then you let them put the self-imposed ban on midway through a trash season? How does that happen? Oh, I know. They're Syracuse. And there's probably so many backdoor dealings going on between Bayheim and God knows who else, whether it's, you know, the higher-ups at the ACC, the higher-ups at the NCAA. They're all in bed together. Okay? My team, the Redmen back then, the Red Storm now, they get caught at a strip club after a pit game, and we go into the abyss we, we get Norm Robertson, and now we have to graduate our kids. We can't get basketball players. We got to get students who kind of play basketball. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it, you can't compete nowadays. You can't. You see it. Where has St. John's been since Ron Artest? Yeah, Meta World Peace, or whatever the hell he's calling himself now out in China, led them to the Elite Eight, and they lost to Ohio State. Where has St. John's been? 1999. This is one of the pillars, the cornerstones of the Big East Conference. And they haven't made any noise since 1999? Give me a freaking break. We go into the abyss and Syracuse is allowed to keep going back to the tournament while being investigated since 2007? It's a joke. It's a freaking joke. I can't take it anymore. North Carolina is nationally ranked. They're going through that whole academic scandal. And yet they're allowed to skate. St. John's, no way. You go to a strip club, you're out, you're out, you're done. They're like Tom in The Godfather. He's no longer the consigliere. Thank you. I just can't. There cannot be different rules for different teams. That's my point. And if there's one team I hate, like I said, more than any other team on the planet, it's the Syracuse Orange. God bless you. Thank you. It's got to stop somewhere. If there's penalties for one university and one university has to have academic standards, it's like a salary cap. Okay? Look at Notre Dame. Look at Rutgers. Put, this is how you put it into perspective. The NBA has a salary cap. Baseball does not, as we all know. <laughs> Hockey does. So you look at these universities who have these academic standards, which they all should have, by the way. We ain't here to play school. We'll get to that in a second. Rick Majerus, the late Rick Majerus, once told Mike Francesa, you can get a plant into Florida. That should tell you everything you need to know 
about those championships. Urban Meyer won down there. Okay? So, going back to my salary cap analogy here. Teams like Rutgers, teams like St. John's, who, who concentrate on the graduation rate of their kids, which they should. When you're in college, you should be getting an education. Okay? But their salary cap, it's set real low. If you show up to class, you pass. Academics is high. <clears throat> but their salary cap is low for winning. If you could follow me there. These other schools where they don't have these academic standards, and it's what our buddy Cardell Jones said. Say it again. Oh, we ain't here to play school. We ain't here to play school. He actually used social media to put that out there. This is the game-winning quarterback in the first national championship game. And he says, we're not here to play school. No, he said, we ain't here to play I'm school, sorry. Which, which illustrates I the corrected point even it. further. I corrected it. We yes. ain't here to play school. Apparently ain't here to learn English either. I am going to shut up now because I've ranted long enough, but I, I thank my co-host for letting me get on my soapbox there for a second and scream my little head off. But now I want to get your thoughts. What do you think? I got to come up with like an intro because I know when you do that, like, you know, I got to come up with a little intro. Like, here's Chris's rant of the day. <laughs> um... Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I had to look up Q's record because I had failed to do that before earlier, and you mentioned it, 15-7, and 6-3 and three in the ACC. Yeah, really shocking that it wasn't last year or two years ago, whatever it was, when they were 24-0. Uh, right. Where was it then? Yeah, where was that one when they had a chance at the National Intelligence? You know who I feel the worst for in this whole situation is four people. The first person I feel the worst for is Jim Beheim himself because he's got to be embarrassed at the person he's become. And let his university become and his team become with his goofy glasses. Preach. The other three people I feel bad for are Carter Sanderson, Albert Nasser, and Rakeem Christmas. The seniors? The seniors on Syracuse's team. Especially Rakeem because his brother had a big hand in bringing Temple back to uh, prominence. All right, so you have a little soft spot. I I got a soft spot for Deontay, so Rakeem gets it too. Um. You know, when UConn got thrown under the bus because they didn't graduate no players here to play school a few years back, uh, the NCAA banned them from the postseason but gave the ultimatum, or the not the ultimatum, the, the, the mandate that any players who were graduating within that postseason ban could transfer without, without penalty. They could play immediately, and Alex Oriaki did just that. He went to Missouri, helped them to the NCAA tournament. Uh, and then the next year, here comes everybody in... Uh, you know, UConn brings back the cavalry and wins the national title behind Shabazz Napier. And Kevin Ollie. Kevin Ollie. Donnie Marshall's boy. Donnie Marshall's boy. I, like I said, I grew up watching that team. Donnie Marshall, Kevin Ollie, Danielle Marshall. Uh-huh. Donnie uh, and Danielle. Kirk King. There's a name. Yeah. UConn fans will remember. Um, I feel bad for them because they – Syracuse could have made the NIT. I mean, they're they're a big-name ACC school. The ACC will get – 12 out of 16 bids of the NCAA tournament anyway, because they always do. So the other four teams will be down in the NIT. They could have at least tasted the postseason one more time. Now they can't play in the ACC tournament. They can't play in They're any... Out, they right. can't even play in the college basketball invitational, which will probably be won by Wagner or some other some other high-powered, <laughs> low-mid-major team. Siena. Um, I feel bad for them, because sure, they may have had a part in this, but 
you know my feelings on the NCAA and their stupidity with violations and how they punish people that had nothing to do with it. Can you imagine? So extra pasta is bad, but academic academic fraud's fine. And we don't know how they said nothing happened after 2012. Well, when did it start? When did it start? Did it start when they won the national championship with Carmelo Anthony? Was it going on then? Let, let's get rid of that title. Let me tell you who, who was at Syracuse in 2012 when all of this stopped. Not a single person on that team other than the three guys I just mentioned a minute ago. Right. So there's 15, however many guys that are on the roster beyond Christmas, Sanderson, and Nasser that had nothing to do with this, and they are getting punished for it. Bayheim must have. Can, can you imagine if like one day we came in and they said, you know no, what? No, I'm going to say no, no right away. You know what, Chris? Uh, you know, Bob, Dancy, somebody uh, said some crazy remarks on the air. So we're just going to shut down all the on-air talent for a week. You can't go on the air. Can't do your podcast. You're not going to do any Nets pregame. You, you can't do anything. How ridiculous is that? It's not your fault. I know. Oh, Fred, Fred Hickman had a broad, bad broadcast in 2002. So we're going to shut you guys down for the year. I mean, come on. I, I tried to come up with as ridiculous as an example as I could find, That's and, pretty and good. I, I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't find anything that ridiculous yeah. that they punish people going forward for things that happened in the past. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? I don't feel bad for any of these guys. Not one of them. Because, like you said, a couple years back when they almost had an undefeated season – yeah, nothing. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Well, I think the, I think the end of this timeline was the whole Fab Mello saga a couple of years ago when he was ineligible, then he wasn't, then he was, then he wasn't, and maybe they kind of cleaned up their act, figuring something was going to happen eventually. Even still, again, there's three guys on the team that were even there, but they were thirty and zero with Fab Mello. So how do without they, him, how, I don't know. Uh, it just it, it, it's 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 a mess. And again, you know my feelings on this. It's a mess. The NCAA should step in and, and ban them from the postseason next year. Give the guys that are juniors on the team the caveat of being able to go anywhere they want. Enough with the slap on the wrist. And that's yeah. why they're probably doing this, so Bayheim could keep his guys because he doesn't want anybody to fly the coop. Right. But don't they have to sit out a year? Well, if, if the NCAA mandates, like in the, the UConn situation, where you can transfer without penalty because of the sanctions because that had nothing sanctions. to do with okay. you. All right. Because that's what it was with UConn. Their graduation rates for the previous years were bad. Their APR or whatever. So they could transfer, get right on the So team. the guys that had nothing to do with that, that were underclassmen, obviously they're not in the graduation rate. They ain't graduated yet. They're underclassmen. They, they could go anywhere. <laughs> uh, I'm going to use that instead of isn't or aren't okay. as much as possible. I'm in. Uh, they could go anywhere. And like I said, Alex Oriaki bailed and went to Missouri. You know, the right. guys that stuck it out, Shabazz Napier, he mentioned it God knows how many times in the post-game press conferences after the national title game, made them stronger mm-hmm. as a team. And it wasn't even Kevin Ollie's fault. I mean, really, it was Jim Calhoun. He might have been on the staff for part of it. But, again, they were punished for the, the sins. The son was punished for the sins of the father, so to speak. Stupid. Stupid, 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 stupid. Mm-hmm. Also, don't need any extra ziti shabazz at your, star- your starving college student. Right. Cause don't take $10 to put on your meal card because, God forbid, you should you know, get uh, uh, something uh, money for food. Yeah. Can't get money for anything. You know, it's, it's fine. You can – signing day was yesterday, uh, yeah. w- which I watched none of. Well, actually, that's not true. I watched two minutes of it because I wanted to see where Snoop Dogg's kid was going to go to school. Where did, where did he pick? UCLA. Same with uh, P. Diddy's kid. So they're going to have a bad boy records for life wow. uh, team wow. for the next four years okay. in Westwood. All right. Uh, I watch none of it because it's it's a giant sham that illustrates just how much the NCAA profits off the sweat equity of people who get nothing for it. 
It's a great way of putting it. Yeah. Especially National Signing Day. Half of these kids won't be anything for at least two years. So who cares? We can make a big spectacle of it. We can make millions of dollars and sell – the NCAA can sell their media rights to ESPN and ABC and Fox and whoever they want for umpteen millions and billions of dollars. And they can sell jerseys that say Texas A&M 15 on them but you know, can't no say names. Manziel. You know, it can say Florida 15 on it. I've got one. doesn't say Tebow on it because you can't put his name on it because then you got to pay him. They can do all of this. So you can make as much money off of him as possible, yep. but he cannot make any but money. But God forbid somebody who's an alumni who may be considered a booster who's like, you know what, you guys had a great game. You know, let me take you out to dinner to show you how much I appreciate you having this season. No, can't do that. Can't buy you a steak. Here, here's seven of your jerseys, though. Maybe you can do something with those. Well, the NCAA thinks that they're a gateway drug. They are. The steak, the steak dinner. The steak dinner is a gateway drug to sex and violence. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Jameis Winston notwithstanding, you know? And, and I, wish, I wish this had happened. Uh, I wish this had all happened either last Friday or earlier in the week. Because I'm going to segue us into something else we want to talk about, which is the New York segues, Times article. Segues perfectly right. into that, yeah. The New York Times article wondering if – Colleges should come up with a major that's majoring in college basketball or college football. And I wish we had more time for this because I would have contacted my, my first college roommate mm-hmm. who is a perfect example of how it's not that hard to actually get an education while playing major Division One college sports. My first college roommate is now an assistant district attorney in Middlesex County, New Jersey, was a tight end on Temple's football team. 1997-2001, from your area of the world. Yeah, graduate of my Bish- county. Graduate of Bishop, Bishop Arr High School, nice. Scataway. Um, was a tight end on the football team mm-hmm. at Temple for four years. Scholarship athlete. Went to school. Graduated with a 3-4. He was a broadcasting major just like me. Terrible. Terrible GPA. Went, went to, I know, right? It was like .1 something lower than mine. <laughs> uh, ended up going to the University of Maryland, got his Juris Doctorate, and here we are at He's 36 years old, 35 years old. Assistant district pretty, attorney. Pretty, doing pretty well for himself. Where are the guys – where are some of the other guys that were on the team? Raheem Brock is the only one that went to the NFL from that team. He did pretty well for himself. But what about the other 84 guys on scholarship? Where are they now? When was the last time you heard anything about Philip Shepard? Who? Exactly. Oh, boy. When's the last time you heard anything about – well, Bernard Pierce from Temple is in the NFL, well, but El Marco Jackson and Stacy Mack were the running backs on that team. You may remember Stacy Mack, Mack from absolutely. his tenure with the Jaggers. Yes. What do you think El Marco Jackson's doing these days? I have no idea. He's selling insurance somewhere. Listen, let's, maybe let, let's talk about it because what we just talked about with Syracuse does tee this up rather nicely. And and what I saw not just a Times article, I saw a couple articles um, last night. I, I did some research and I, I found a couple other ideas that were thrown around out there for this. And at first, I was very skeptical because these these kids are already getting a free ride. Mm-hmm. They're already getting a free ride. So to have them quote unquote major in their sport. And get a free ride. A, how do you grade them? B, you know, I get it. One of the guy's points that the articles I read last night was he he attended basketball practice. 
And he was sitting there watching basketball practice and he said, wow, this is like an instruction. This is like a classroom where the guy is up there talking about defense and then he wants – then he implements it and then they have to do it. it. It's pretty much the same thing as if you would be sitting in a TV class. They teach you how to do a newscast and then you go do a newscast. Ain't just here to watch the tube. Coach. Right. Switcher, audio. That was blue chips. There you go. Nick Nolte, Shaq. No, Penny. sorry. I distracted you. Go ahead. No, that's, that's all right. Point. No, it's fine. Movie lines are allowed <laughs> to do that. But if you look at it that way, you know, I, I started turning as I was reading the article. Maybe this could work. Maybe you could do this. But again, you know, they're, they're physically gifted athletes who are pretty much getting everything handed to them while they're there. Their argument is when you play Division One sports, I hear this all the time and I saw people post on Facebook. Vin D'Antone is one of them. He, he went to my school down at Rowan. Uh, a, a while after me, he's much younger, working for NFL Films uh, and ESPN. Great kid. But Vin, as Lou just said, you could play Division One sports at a high level and still knock it out of the park in the classroom. You know, you can get certain um, – I'll give you a perfect example. The coach at Roan at the time I was there, okay, they needed a punter, and I punted. So – I went to the coach, went to his office, and I said, Coach, I heard you need a punter. And he was eating an Egg McMuffin or something. He spit it out of his mouth. He goes, you could punt? I said, yeah, I could punt. So we talked for a little bit, and I said, you know, there might be a problem. I have my broadcast journalism classes at 6.30, Tuesday night, 6.30 to 9 o'clock. He goes, we could take care of that. Now, insinuating that you could be excused from that right to play football right so there are ways around it but i am so glad it didn't work out with the football team because broadcast journalism seems to be working out pretty well no that ended up taught by the one and only ed kasuba kyw news radio 1060 Ooh, yes yes um was probably the single most enlightening class I took at Roan. It was the one that prepared me the best. I still have to this day, it's on my desk, you've seen it, that orange notebook Mm -hmm. with Roan College of New Jersey on it. That is my broadcast journalism Bible. If I ever have a question about broadcast writing, I open that Bible up and I look to double check to see if I'm doing it right. Ed, he ran it like a newsroom. He ran it like KYW. And by mid-semester, one mistake on any read that you wrote was a zero. So you were under pressure. You were under de- – That's the way the real world it works. It was like being under deadline pressure. If he taught that class the same way now, he'd be fired. Well, of course because that would be, be bad. Right. Because like teaching people things is bad. School's bad. <laughs> School's bad. But anyway, I got off on a lot of tangents there. But I, I, there, like the article said, and I'm going to let you take over here, there are pros, there are cons. I think there are ways it could work, but at the same time, like I brought up in the past on this podcast, I don't think it's fair to the kids who go, they don't get an academic scholarship like the guy who's talking right now and end up having to pay back his loans until he's 34 years old. Where's my money? You know, I, I was working – just as hard as they were on the field in the classroom, I didn't get money. 
People's Nothing was thrown at me, and I had to pay it off plus interest till I'm 33 years old. That's right. People can say, you know, there's only so many, there's only a finite number of spots in the NFL or in the NBA or at high levels. There are two, but we don't have 739 anchors here. We have a handful. It's it's other job markets are just as competitive, if not more, as the NFL, the NBA, because you can go play basketball in Turkey. You can go play basketball in Greece, Israel, Spain, Italy, France. You can go play in the CFL or the Arena League. There are other places to go. It's not just the NFL or bust or the NBA or bust. Now, to the earlier example, I'm not comparing Temple to Alabama. You know, they weren't, we weren't winning national championships then. We ain't winning them now. We weren't winning games then, let alone national yeah, championships. Yeah. Okay, So I'm not comparing that to the rigors of in and out of, of, of a you know, diploma mill, NFL mill, like Alabama or Florida or Ohio State or wherever. But you can do it. It can be done. You can get an education if you're smart about it and you major in something that's easy enough for you to not have to be under that. You know, you can't – I don't necessarily think pre-med is the right major for a lot of, uh, a lot of football players at Temple University. Okay? <laughs> but, you know, but communications, if, you, if you're learning, you know, broadcasting – I'll just name 30 or 40 guys off the top of my head. Ray Lewis, Trent Dilfer, Steve Young. All these guys played in the NFL. Now they're into broadcasting. You can learn a little something about how to do that before you get to that point. You can learn a little something about a lot of something before you get to that point mm-hmm. in life. And for a lot of guys, was it 1% of, of NCAA athletes go on to professionals in their sport? Is that what the commercial says? Yeah. Well, we're the 1%. Good for you. You're privileged. The other 99% don't need to be stocking shelves at Target for the rest of their lives. Right. Okay. That's one point. Second point is I understand people being upset about majoring in college football or whatever, blah, blah, blah. What about the people that spend $85,000 a year to go to Temple or Rowan or any university out there and major in art history? Do you know what the most frequent thing I've ever said to an art history major is? What's that? I'll have a grande non-fat double whip mocha, please. (laughs) Thank you. I'll be here all week. Try the veal. Um but let's be fair here. Uh, what about Pe- people major in art history or in- what do you do with that? Psychology majors too, unless you go get your doctorate. Unless you go get your doctorate or what, what you or, or use it as pre med to become like right. some kind of right. you know. At, psych- at least you have that. Right. If you have the incremental steps, you're going to get your doctorate. <laughs> what are you doing with a psych degree? My second college roommate after I after the football player and I parted ways, once we were upperclassmen. My second college roommate was a vocal performance major in the music department. All right. One of my best friends in the world. Love the kid. Mm-hmm. He's been in school forever. <laughs> he, he got, he's got three master's degrees, I think. Professional a, student? Professional student. No, he, he, not anymore. But he's okay. got three master's degrees, and he's now like a supervising psychotherapist at a major hospital in the Philadelphia area. Oh, good for him. Like probably makes a ton of money. He has a great job. Went to school to learn various nuances of his craft. Was an opera singer. Amazing wow. opera singer too, yeah. But went to school for so long to learn music therapy and then you know performance, and now has turned that into he's made himself a career because he's so multifaceted. Again, people might be like, "What do you do with a vocal performance major? What are you singing?" But again, you can turn things he into just, something. He if just you, stands online at American Idol, yeah, right? <laughs> like like Andy in the last season of The Office. Yes, he uh, <laughs> you know, he's made him he's made himself into something with that well rounded education. You can do things if you apply yourself. It's the matter of applying themselves. Now, all that said, here's an idea. Ding! What, what if athletes, Division One athletes, 
and you'd have to open it up to any athlete because people who play field hockey and crew are just as important to the athletic athletes. prowess of the university right. as as anyone else. Mm-hmm. What about an interdisciplinary major? You can call it athletic literacy. And you can make these kids take a public speaking class so that when they're in front of the media, they don't say, we ain't here to play school on Twitter. And they learn how to speak eloquently and not represent themselves as idiots. I love that. How about you make them take a broadcast journalism class? So if their career doesn't work out and, I don't know, Jesse Palmer seems to be doing pretty well on ESPN despite never making it in the NFL. It's a pretty eloquent guy, right? Have you heard – Have you Darius Miles, have you heard anything about him? Who? He didn't, he didn't go to college. About Dewan Wagner. What's he doing these days? I have no idea. See, that's the, 15, 15 to life is probably as good I, a bet as any of that. I, 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 to be fair. I bring it up because, you know, these one and dones are these guys who just skip and go right from high school mm-hmm. to the NBA. What you're suggesting here, this idea of yours, would help them out exponentially if they stayed in school. Absolutely. And learn this for four years, though. Now, the NBA can help this out because the NFL has already they, done it with oh, their three-year rule. The NBA can help this out and say, look, you've got to be three years out of college just like the NFL. And we, you and I have talked about this. You went to community college the first year first out of year. high school. Mm-hmm. I, went to, I was at Temple all four years. Mm-hmm. My first year at Temple, minus the two core broadcasting classes I took, my first two years at Temple were pretty much my fifth Gen and sixth years of high school. Right. So if you're a one and done, if you're an Andrew Wiggins or a Julius Randle or a Julia Okafor at Duke, because you know he's coming out and going to be the number one pick, mm-hmm. what are you, are you taking some basket weaving, maybe a little, you know, maybe a little intro to math, U.S. history that you just to took basketball. a year ago, and goodbye. It's intro to basketball. You don't even have to pass your classes the you second don't. semester because you know you're gone. Right. So these one and dones are really just kind of abusing the system for, you know, take, just take some basket weaving and go on your way. So why not? Why not in that, that ding more? That's mm-hmm. more uh, mm-hmm. more blue chips. <laughs> why not create this athletic literacy or some kind of major? Make them take a public speaking class so they don't sound like morons. Make them take a broadcast journalism class so maybe they can get a job at ESPN or Fox or the Yes Network or somewhere talking about their beloved sport. Has Jim Beheim become Pete Bell? <laughs> Our coach, your coach. Why not make them take a anatomy and physiology class so that when they tear their ACL, they understand what's happening to their bodies and how to rehab it properly so they can come back stronger than ever? How about we make them take a writing class so that they can pass the wonderlick? How about we make them take a financial literacy and some kind of accounting class so that they don't blow $30 million like their MC Hammer? This, th- or a business ethics class so they don't end up in prison like Michael Vick? This is exactly what majoring in your sport should be, not just the sport. But everything that encompasses what your life will be as a professional athlete, if you see yourself as that. You know, you have a lot of kids that play football. Yep. They are pre-med or they are something else. They could be anything. You know, I, I, I did Yale. Look at, I was going to say, look at Yale or Harvard I, or Penn's basketball How team, many you know? Yale football games did I call? How many Ivy League football games did I call? And in my preparation, economics. Yep. Finance. Political science. Finance. These are senators. These are maybe future president. Uh, you know, I mean, there's some places in some schools where your degree is more prestigious just because of the name on it than what you got. I right. mean, you could go major in art history at Harvard. You still have a Harvard degree. People care right. a lot more about that than a degree from you know Temple or Rowan or. You're not getting into Harvard you know, unless. Right. It's legit. You know, you're not getting into the Newhouse School of Journalism or Medill out at Northwestern or any of these big no. journalism programs unless you're a good you know. Unless you're a good writer. So there are 
there are places and there are schools and there are situations where your degree means something like that. Because I am you're in all a big over. Program. I am all over this idea. But why? Yeah. Not, I mean, how many NFL players or NBA players or whatever do we hear about are bankrupt five years later because they don't know how to handle yeah. money? So finance and basic finance. Yeah, just okay. to understand a contract and taxes yeah. and where you live and stuff like that. You don't even necessarily have to go out and create this whole new school. No, you can put it in the school of. At Temple, it's called Hyper D. It's Health, Phys Ed, and Recreation Department. You can put it in, in that or Tourism and Hospitality Management or some some school. You know, even the business school. And when you're and when you're building these new football facilities, build classrooms at the football facility. So after practice, it's real easy. These kids could go right into the classroom yep. and they, and bang one after another. A professor just keeps walking in. They don't have to go anywhere. Everything is right there at the football complex. So they could work out, go to practice, and go to class all in the same yep. place. It doesn't – like I said, you don't even have to create anything new. You can make it an interdisciplinary thing where you're taking one or two classes from finance and accounting and, and economics. You're taking one or two classes from science. A la carte. A la carte. Yeah, whatever you want to do. Exercise science, uh-huh. anatomy and physiology. You're talking about public speaking and broadcast journalism and a few other from your communication school. Mm-hmm. You bring in business ethics and a couple others from your business school. It's potpourri. Yep. It's potpourri from everything else. But it molds you and shapes you to be a professional athlete. And you know what? Even if you don't, even if you're one of those 99% that doesn't make it to the NFL, even if you are a Larry Ballard who's now an assistant district attorney in Middlesex County, New Jersey, you know what? You're well prepared with a college education that you can use because you've learned financial uh, financial ethics and financial – I'm drawing a blank on the word, but responsibility for lack of a better word. You've learned how to – Speak and be eloquent and, and make a name for yourself and, and write and look like an intelligent college graduate. You've learned various things about your body so that you know what's happening to you and you're, you're prepared in case you get hurt, in case you do play semi-pro football or somewhere down the line. You have a college education that's well-rounded enough that you're a bit of a renaissance man or woman coming out of school with a little bit of an understanding of how the world works. And maybe, you know what, maybe you don't end up in the NFL, but maybe you're like, hey, you know what? This uh, this anatomy stuff is pretty interesting. Maybe I'll go to school and be some kind of some kind of medical thing. Maybe maybe a spark interest in, in something Hey, you know else. what? Maybe I'm really right. good at math. Maybe I should go get a degree in finance and economics, and maybe I can go into banking or something. Hey, listen, you had me. I'm the jury after the uh, Pontiac Tempest was found with the 357 Magnum in the back, <laughs> Jasper uh, County, Georgia. Absolutely. I mean, you had me at that. I'm I'm there. The, the jury is decided, and it, all twelve of us. If mm-hmm. they reside in my head, I'm all for that idea. That is a well thought out, tremendous. I can't remember the line from Gwyn, but overruled, overruled. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Gambini. That was a well thought out, excellently portrayed. I uh, bought a suit. You seen it? Yeah, you seen it. No, and and you know that's the fun of this podcast. Is we can come right back around to movie lines and have some fun with each other. Well, but, it, it, but in the end, it I mean, comes right to that. When you think about it, you can't necessarily major in playing football, but there are ways that right. institutions of higher learning can better prepare athletes for the real world. Not even necessarily the NFL or the NBA, but just for the real world. Than if they major in African American studies or phys ed or you know, some other, but if they some still, other major where you wonder they, what you're going to do with your. But life. if they still want to do that, they can. They can. It's their choice. You can still major in economics too, yeah, if you just want. Just because you play football, basketball, yeah. gymnastics, volleyball, whatever, doesn't mean you're an idiot. 
and it doesn't also mean that you have to get locked into this kind of right. curriculum. That curriculum is for people who see themselves, players who see themselves moving on to that next level. But if you so choose, as long as you are enrolled and as long as you are on scholarship or not, on the roster of one of the athletic teams in the university, this interdisciplinary major, for lack of a better word, might not be a bad idea to be available to you. No, and you know what? People, like you said, maybe in that interdisciplinary uh, wheel of classes, you do see something or find something that you're sitting in class listening and saying, well, I, I like this. I could do this even more. I mean, this this would bring college back to the days where you know, the kids stayed for all four years. That's what college right. is. It's an experience. My dad told me it's going to be the best four years of your life. Enjoy it. You know, the responsibility is the work, obviously, <clears throat> but you're meeting new people. You're hanging out. You're single. It's just the time to be – you grow as a human being from a young adult to an adult. You learn, you learn who you are. And most of these guys – I'm talking about the one-and-dones in basketball because you can't be one-and-done for football. Nope. But the one-and-dones in basketball, God forbid, they go to the NBA, and yeah, you get that big con. Well, you can't get a big contract when you're a rookie, but it- it's bigger than anything you and I have yeah. put together. But Carmelo Anthony and Kevin Durant seem to have done pretty well for themselves going one-and-done. You right? tear your knee up. You yeah. have microfracture surgery. You're Dewan Wagner. What are you doing? Yeah. Where are you? You got nothing. You went to school for a year. You didn't take any courses. So when you go back, you basically have to start all over again if you go back. Without the scholarship. And, you know, on the flip side. that's the other thing. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but if you have a scholarship, if you have a full ride to go to a big university for four years, and I know it's a big payday with the NBA, and I know kids see that money and and the families need it. I get it. Sometimes – the player feels a responsibility with their family. I'm not going to hold that against them. I'm not. Who no. am I Who am I to hold it against them? If it was me, it would be a tough decision for me too. But if you have that full ride completely paid for, and you could blow your knee out in your junior year yep. and still be done. But the difference between that and going to the NBA is if you blow your knee out, you still have, you're still going to have that free ride your senior year. They're not going to take it away from you. Nope. And you're still going to have – And you'll have the education. You're still going to have two more years of education than you would. I was going to say on the flip side, there's very few people that are like Jarrett Jack who left school early and now you know, 10 years later he completed his degree and walked in Georgia Tech's graduation ceremonies this past winter. He did. You know, Fulfilled a promise to his mother that he would graduate and earn his degree from Georgia Tech. I will earn my degree from Brown University. Dang. But you know, there's a, a lot of guys don't necessarily do that. It's Do you sh- think Carmelo Anthony is going to go back to no. Syracuse in five, seven, no. ten years and complete his degree? Nope. You think Kevin Durant will ever step foot on the University of Texas campus again as a matriculated no. student? No. Now, they've made millions upon millions of dollars in their life, but – do you think D'Antonio Wingfield ever had designs of stepping onto the University of Cincinnati campus wow. as a matriculated student ever again? Wow. No. And wow again. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just saying. I'm right ways. there. I'm right there's there. There's ways. I'm right there with you, and I think that's a great idea. But let's start to wrap up this Super Bowl yeah. nonsense. Speaking speaking of, of NCAA goodness, too, did you see Diana Tarazi's Russian team that she plays for, uh, plays basketball for, is paying her to sit out the WNBA season 
because she makes the league maximum of $107,000, which is like chump change to this team that she, I mean, you grew up in Connecticut. Again, we go through the Donnie Marshall thing. You grew up in Connecticut. You live in Connecticut. UConn women's basketball has been king of the hill for 25 years now. Mm-hmm. Since Gino's been there. Mm-hmm. Diana Taurasi is one of the biggest stars they've had. She's one of the biggest stars in the WNBA. She makes $1.5 million playing basketball in Russia. Wow. And they're paying her to sit out the WNBA season because it's $107,000 is her salary for the WNBA. It's the maximum salary in the league. And she's making – I think Langston Galloway has already made $107,000 in the NBA. And she's making one point five. Yep. And they're paying her to sit out the season. Wow. Kind of shows you how important the WNBA is in the scope of life, I guess. Yikes! Just it's just another one of those funny. But here's someone who went to college all four years, earned a degree because the WNBA doesn't. There's no one and done in the WNBA. No, no, and is now making millions of dollars overseas in Russia. But the Maria Codlins of the world, who were on her team, that may not be playing overseas professionally. You know, they had to go and earn their education too. And Becky Hammond, she's doing well for herself. Yeah. There's a lot of UConn women's basketball players doing Popovich's well bench. Popovich's bench. First female assistant coach in the NBA. You go, girl. Just saying. Did I just do that? I'm so sorry. Just I, saying. I wish I could take that back. Anyway. So, Super Bowl. Okay. It's not college-related. It, it, it's Thursday as we sit here and tape this. So, we, we, we've had four days to digest everybody else talking about this. Mm-hmm. And the experts, and most of the experts are coming out and saying they have no problem with the final call of the game, where Pete Carroll decided to go with a pass instead of a run with arguably the best running back in the league in the backfield. Now, here, here, here here's my thoughts. And um, see, most of these experts, they'll all remain nameless, but they said, I have no problem with it. They only had one timeout left. Here's their bullet points. They had one timeout left. Uh, when they got up to the line, they saw that the Patriots were in a goal line package. Shocking. And, and they had three defensive backs. Okay, let's start there. It was second down. Yeah, I'm surprised they weren't in the dime there in that situation, right? Second down and one from the one-yard line. Second and one from the one-yard line. How long has Pete Carroll been involved in coaching? Long time. He was the last coach of the New England Patriots before Bill Belichick. Uh, what what package did you think they were going to have in there? That's number one. Number two, as a head coach and pretty much knowing that the goal line package is going to be in there because they know who you have in the backfield, why don't you send out the proper personnel – for a goal line defense on offense. That's number two. Number three. If you're going to throw the damn ball. At second and one. From the one yard line. Can we not do shotgun? Can we not run shotgun? Can we not take Marshawn Lynch out of the play completely? That's point three. So those three points right there, in my eyes, I don't know about my co-host, but in my eyes, after analyzing this for four days, like I said, I've had plenty of time to do this. Those three points just magnify 
like a magnifying glass over an ant burning it at the stake. That this was the dumbest play call on the face of the planet Earth in the game of football. The dumbest. I don't care what Pete Carroll said to Matt Lauer. I don't care that he went up there and stuck up for his offensive coordinator. What's his name? Bevel. Daryl Bevel. Daryl Bevel. It was the single worst call formation. Everything you could think of in the history of the game. Going back to Rutgers and Princeton playing for goals instead of touchdowns. And they had Pepsi at halftime. And then they all collapsed with cramps. (laughs) Listen. Listen. Dancing sharks. (laughs) Listen. When you have Marshawn Lynch, and I know I'm not breaking any news with this, but I've waited four days to say it. When you have that guy in the backfield on a second and one. Now, today, Boomer and Carton and Jerry Recco were talking about it. and Very intelligent discussion. And Jerry Recco said... um, their update guy said he, he Marshawn Lynch in goal-to-go situations from the one did not have good numbers. He said he was 13 for 31 in those situations. I beg to differ. That's 42% it's pretty good. success rate. It's pretty good. Okay? Now, hear me out. Heads or tails, what, what's your percentage of getting heads or tails on a, on a coin flip? 50-50. 50-50. You're not a kick in the ass away from 50-50 at 42% with the best running back, no disrespect to DeMarco Murray, with the best running back in the NFL behind you. But in this case, he was on the side of Russell Wilson. On the side. Seattle lived. But was that from the one-yard line, or was that in just goal-to-go situations? From the one. Okay. Because I was going to say, if you're you know first and goal from the eight, no, it's a little from the tougher. One. Okay. From the one. All right. But it's a 50-50 chance. 20 seconds left, you're still out of timeout. So everybody, all these Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday morning quarterbacks, myself included, they want to break it down. All right, if they ran there and they didn't get in, they call timeout. It's third and goal. They still have two shots. They could pass the last two downs. But the Patriots are going to put a nickel, a dime, whatever kind of package they're going to put in there on the defense to try to prevent the, the pass from happening. But if they do do that, you go into a zone defense, you're not manned up. Yep. You still have Marshawn Lynch in the backfield. You still have Marshawn Lynch in the backfield. The defense is spread out. You could still run the ball. And you could still, in theory, get to the line and spike before the clock runs out. And on fourth down, if the clock is stopped, you could run either either play. They couldn't do that because that would be fourth down. The game would be over. But what I'm saying is on on fourth down, you could run either play because it's the last play no matter what. Right. I have a problem, a big-time problem, with the way it was handled. Hmm. I do. Now, look, I didn't have a dog in the fight. I despise Pete Carroll. I love Russell Wilson, but I despise Pete Carroll. Um, I can't stand the Patriots for various reasons. I'm I'm just glad no one's talking about deflated balls anymore. Um, Just wait until next week's The Niner on YesNetwork.com. Okay. But not deflated balls. What am I doing? A yard out. A yard out. They lived on the the read option all year. All year. And they go shotgun. Why are you in sh- – Lou, why are you in shotgun? If that was the Eagles, okay, that was the Eagles in the Super Bowl, and you have Shady in the backfield. But the Eagles run that – they run that formation at the one-yard line. That's I know. The so do the Giants. 
They do too, and it drives my. I could hear my dad. I, I told everybody that would listen. If that was the Giants playing the Patriots in that game, second and one at the one, and they were in shotgun formation, I would have heard my father from Middlesex County, New Jersey, screaming at the television up here in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care if they're a former NFL player or whatever. You could sit there till you're blue in the face and try to tell me that you were fine with the call. You're a moron. You shouldn't be fine with the call. That is moronic, asinine. Any adjective, any any word you want to describe that 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 says that play, that call was stupid. That's what it was. You could try to work around it any way you can. You could you could bore me to death with your formations all you want. The Patriots' defensive line was gassed. They were on their heels. On the previous play, Lynch went through them like a hot knife through butter for four and a half yards. And all the ball has to do is break the plane. That's it. All someone had to do was reach out and break the plane, and the, and the Seahawks would have won their second Super Bowl in a row. They were a yard away. The longest yard. And to lose... <laughs> it's the longest yard... It's a game of inches. Yeah, those, well, if it was the mean machine, they would have they It's a game scored. of inches, and those 36 will haunt Pete Carroll for the rest of oh, his life. Oh, for the rest of his life. Because you hear it all the time yeah. with players. We don't know when we're going to get back. Yep. And, and they had a hell of a time getting there this year they until were, the end. And do you know – here's the other thing. The last play out of there. Okay, I'm done because uh, I've had enough too. When I did the highlights on Monday for the Michael K show, I went back. The eight previous games before the Super Bowl, in the fourth quarter, the, page, uh, the, the Seahawks, excuse me, allowed a grand total of 13 points on defense. They allowed 14 in the fourth 13. quarter, right? They allowed 14 against the Patriots. I don't want to hear anything about the Legion of Boom. I don't want to hear no – I don't want to see no hashtags LOB. You can't scrub – the 85 Bears jock straps, okay? Because when push came to shove, that defense, they held the Patriots at bay in Super Bowl 20. You can't hold a candle to the 86 Giants defense. Look what they did to John Elway in that game. Look what the 2001 Ravens defense did to the Giants in the Super Bowl. I was getting there. Okay. So... Listen, last year, 42-8, I give you your props. You completely dismantled the Broncos and, 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 and um, Peyton Manning. But I don't want to hear anything about LOB this year because if you were truly the Legion of Boom, and I know they were banged up too, didn't stop them from talking during the week though, did it? Nope. Didn't stop them from talking on the sidelines after they took the lead, Richard Sherman. I just did that visual for those who can't see us because this is a podcast. No, 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 no. They didn't stop. But guess what? They're stopping now. Mm-hmm. Not much to say now. Because Tom Brady, you want to talk about deflated balls, you can talk about them all you want. Those balls were properly inflated during this game, the whole game. Guarantee you that. Mm-hmm. And Tom Brady, not once, but twice against the LOB, drove his team down the field. And threw two touchdown passes to win that game. He threw four touchdown passes to four different receivers. Good night, everybody. Mic drop. Throw a fade. That's all I'm going to say. You got a ton of receivers who are huge. 
throw a fade. If it's not there, throw it out of the back of the end zone. Start again. You got a timeout and two downs to go with 20 seconds left. That's all you had to do. Simple. Sometimes it's not so simple. Yeah. Anyway. Let me say this about the New England Patriots. My prediction was right on the money. 28, oh, 24 I forgot. Pass. I forgot. I, I have to give you props for that, too. Yeah, that was awesome. And I was looking pretty good at 24-21. You were. Last touchdown. You were, both of us looked I pretty know. the entire fourth quarter. I know. Um, I don't take too much stock. I know a lot of people say Eli Manning, two-time Super Bowl MVP, yada, yada, yada. The reason I don't take too much stock in that is because quarterbacks have the easiest time of winning it. And who, who else was going to win in that game? Right. I mean, nobody had a great right. individual no, game, other, but no. Tom Brady was the accumulator because he, he spread it around. Right. right. But I do take stock in that this year because Tom Brady, people can can poo poo on them on Brady and Belichick all they want. Let me give you some stats. The Patriots had four different running backs lead the team in rushing in four different months. The Patriots did not have a running back carry the ball one hundred times. They did not have a running back. Rushed for more than 412 yards. They did not have a running back rush for more than five touchdowns. And the guy who did have 412 yards and five touchdowns had half of those yards and four of those five touchdowns in one game against one of the worst run defenses in NFL history. Okay? It took four guys to compile 339 carries for 1,424 yards. Or roughly what Marshawn Lynch did by himself in Seattle. Their leading receiver had 92 catches. Their leading yardage receiver had 1,124 yards and 12 touchdowns. That would be Gronk, of course. A running back was fourth on their team in catches and yards. A running back. The same running back, who was a passing down running back, who happened to have the most carries on the team as well, Shane Vereen. What does that tell you about that offense? There's not a single superstar, Gronk, Excluded because he's drunk. Mm-hmm. That matters more to to the offense than anyone else does. Gronk is Gronk. Edelman is Edelman. He catches the balls. Gronk gets the yardage and the touchdown. Shane Vereen is the dump off back. That offense, the word system player is a pejorative in sports, and it describes every single person on the New England Patriots offensive team. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's 53 guys as one. That's pretty much what it is. And you want to know why they've been so successful, and you want to know why they've had 14 straight winning seasons. That's it. And you want to know why Deion Branch stunk in Seattle, and you want to know why guys do so well in New England that didn't do well elsewhere. It's because Bill Belichick and Tom Brady make them play to their strength and use them in the system. It's not about deflated balls. You know, from the top on down, from Robert Kraft to Bill Belichick to to Tom Brady to everybody in that organization, they've built something uh, much like the Spurs – uh, much like the, the Yankees, Yankees. It, it's just an outline that they keep plugging the right people into. And who better to do it than Belichick? I know a lot of people hate him and a lot of people give him, you know, the business and the, the yep. whole the, the flate gate and everything else. They, they try to knock him down. What happened? They yep. just they just beat the best defense in the NFL and you in know the what? Super Bowl. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick might be successful elsewhere. Tim Duncan and Greg Popovich might be successful elsewhere. Would Kawhi Leonard be so good elsewhere? Maybe, but maybe not. Would Danny Green be so good elsewhere? Maybe, but maybe not. Would Brandon LaFell be so good elsewhere? No, because he wasn't. Ricky Ledet? Sorry, just wanted to throw that out. You mentioned all those teams. And the reason I wanted to see Tom Brady win the Super Bowl, as I said last week when we made the prediction, is because it would bring together 
a career arc that's very much like two of the most revered athletes in sports, Derek Jeter and Tim Duncan. Do tell. Tim Duncan was drafted number one in 97. Right. You know. The Spurs have had 17 straight winning seasons and playoff berths, and they're on pace for their 18th. They've won 11 division titles, although this year that division is pretty tough. Yeah. Six NBA finals, five titles. They won four in nine years, then went six years before getting back to the finals last year where they lost to the, the Heat, and then won their seven years between titles when they finally beat the Heat to win right. the, the title. Jeter in 95 came up as a rookie. They went to the wild card. That was the, they won the wild card, I should in say. Seattle. That was their first playoff appearance in, in 15 years. 19 years, they won 13 division titles, 16 playoff berths, seven pennants, five World Series. Four out of those six were from 96 to 2003, and they waited six years to get back. What, did, what has Tom Brady done since going 5-11 and 11 in his rookie year where he didn't play? Since Mo Lewis eradicated Drew Bledsoe's spleen <laughs> and started the Tom Brady era? 14 straight winning seasons, counting the one with Matt Castle at the helm. 12 division titles, six Super Bowls, four titles. They won three titles in four years, and they won their fourth ten years later. Thanks to the, the New York longest, Giants. Thank you very much. The longest stretch between Super Bowl wins for any quarterback in NFL history belongs to Tom Brady from 2005 to 2015. You know what you got to yourself there? You got yourself there a Lincoln-Kennedy coincidences thing going on there. Absolutely. And that's three of the top athletes of our generation. You right can't – and two of those three play in the Northeast Corridor. Yeah. And you could even throw in Martin Brodeur since goalie is the premium ho- position in hockey. Just like he just retired and yep. had a tremendous career. Just like a shortstop, a center, and a quarterback. Mm-hmm. They went to the Eastern Conference Finals and were Stefan Mateau away from the Stanley Cup Finals in Brodeur's <laughs> rookie year. 16 playoff berths, nine division titles, five Stanley Cup Finals, three Cups. 95, 2000, lost in 01, won in 03, didn't get back in until 2012. It's not just it's a flash. Eerie. It's not just a flash in the pan. These guys are good, and then they get old, and, and they go away. These are guys that, well, Broder was 40 you when he remember, led them to the Cup. you got to remember, in the Devils' home games, they were deflating the puck a little bit, so it yep. was easier to stop. And Same with the Yankees. They were taking the stitches off the ball. Yeah, the Yankees yeah. took the stitches off the ball, and Tim Duncan yeah. was playing with a deflated basketball. So, But Tom Brady is 37 years old and brought his team to its – Sixth Super Bowl. Everybody hates him. He, he's he's married to a supermodel. Broder was forty. I get it. Jeter was what thirty eight when the Yankees won. Thirty seven in two thousand nine when the Yankees won. Thirty six. Thirty six. Yeah, I mean, I, come I, on, Lou. I get it. I, I, you're preaching to the choir here. Can you hate Brady? Absolutely. I'm not telling you not to hate Tom Brady. I hated Michael Jordan, but I loved watching that guy play. I didn't like him beating my Knicks, nope. but I loved watching him play. I hated him, but I respected the hell out of him, just like everybody else on this list, well, except for Jeter because, you yeah, know, of it's course, Jeter. obviously. I, again, I hate – as a New York sports fan, I hate Boston sports. That's just the right. way I'm ingrained. Right down the line. But just the same way you got to respect the Larry Bird era Celtics, the same way you got to respect, you know, what the Red Sox have done in the last 10 years, you have to respect what Tom Brady right. has done. And as you get older – you should. I was just talking about this with, with my dentist this morning as he was doing my root canal. Um, you know, the older I get, the more laid back I am about these rivalries. I have a lot of friends that are Mets fans and the same Mets fans or Jets fans. I want them to have a little joy in their life, yeah. especially my Jet fan friends. I would A Jet Super Bowl win would not kill me. The Giants have won four. 
Okay, what can the Jets? What can a Jets fan say to me that's going to upset me? Unless they beat the Giants in the Super Bowl, because if the Mets beat the Yankees back in two thousand, it doesn't matter story. how many World Series championships the Yankees won, yep. the Mets would have won that. Which one. is what made two thousand four even sweeter for the Red Sox, I'm sure, because right, they because came they back from the, that deficit. Right, they you know? came back. From the three nothing down, and then went through the Yankees, and then won the World Series. Their first in eighty six years. So that, yeah, that eliminated the curse. But I'm not in high school anymore. I, I, I like my friends to have some joy. Every once in a while, is it nice to see them squirm a little bit? Yeah, but ninety five percent of me would like to see their teams win a title. You know, you grow up in New York. I mean, if you're, I'm not a Giants fan, so I have four less than most of my friends. But I've seen. Five World Series championships for the Yankees in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. I've seen the '94 Rangers skate the cup at Madison Square Garden. I've seen, you know, the Knicks get to the finals in '94 and '99. And as a Giants fan, you've seen, four, you know, four Super Bowl championships mm-hmm. in, in your lifetime and a couple more appearances. Some people get that. Some people, there's, you know, I, I am an avid reader of Barstool Sports. I, Doug and I both were. We mm-hmm. make no bones about this. There's a kid that they love to hate on the New York side of the Barstool Sports, he goes to the parades and he's got a sign that says 12 years old, nine parades mm-hmm. or whatever, however old he is because the Bruins have won the cup and you know the Patriots have won a handful of Super Bowls and the Celtics and then the Red Sox with three titles in the last 10 years. And the guy, the blogger there, is, he's a, one of those Mets, Jets, Islanders fans and it's like you've seen one, <laughs> you know, the 86 yeah. Mets. It's like, yeah. Yeah. you know, think of how people in San Diego or Cleveland feel. Cleveland especially. You know? Or or Buffalo Bills fans who watch their team go there four years in a row only to lose four years in a row. If LeBron led Cleveland to an NBA title. The world might explode. It would not bother me at all, though. No. I mean. You'd feel good for the people of Cleveland. Right. Exactly. For the city. Uh, What have they had? Where were the Indians in it? I was going to say. 97 and they won it in 48 and then they lost it in 97. I was going to say they had the 95 too. They were in 95. Oh, 95. I'm sorry. They they lost both. Um. The Braves and the Braves and the Marlins. Marlins. Yeah. So they've had, you know, they've had two Indians World Series appearances in the last half century. The Browns are terrible and have made the playoffs once since and coming didn't back. Didn't exist for and a watched, while. And they watched the team that left win the Super Bowl yeah, the four Ravens, years later. The Ravens. You know, they don't have a, you know, they don't have a hockey team. So yet, <laughs> yet. <laughs> Coming soon to Green Bay, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and oh boy. Wichita. So think of how they feel. Think of how San Diego feels watching the Padres and the Chargers and watching the Clippers leave and go to Los Angeles, you know? Yeah. I mean. It's a different world from what we live in. We, we reached another over an hour, buddy. <laughs> I know you were watching for it. I, know I was. I was seeing if we could do it with just those three topics. Oh, absolutely. Dude, it's easy. Yeah. It's easy, squeezy, lemon, pleasy, or whatever the hell that saying is. I don't know. Easy, peasy, lemon, squeezy. There it is. I just completely <laughs> murdered that. Uh, anyway, uh, I had fun again. I hope you did too. I always do. And we hope you did as well. Thank you for listening to the Chris Sheeran Show here on YesNetwork.com. Don't forget, you could subscribe at iTunes. Next week, a uh, special guest from my hometown of South River, Anthony Maldonado, who wrote his first book. He got it published. So we're going to have him on, have some fun, talk about where we used to work. It'll be fun. For at least be a good time. for at least ten minutes, yeah. Going to read a little bit of his book so I could ask him some intelligent questions, <laughs> and uh, we'll have some fun with him next week. Uh, thank you, everyone, for going to the Facebook page and liking it. We appreciate it. Uh, some more pictures, some hijinks, hilarity, and nonsense will soon follow. I'm sure. Absolutely. As Lou and I love to do that kind of stuff. Maybe some movie lines from today's show that were featured. We'll throw up some pictures. Who knows? But uh, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. 
for going there and liking the page. We appreciate you all listening, and we'll see you next week here on The Chris Sheeran Show. Take care, everybody.